Welcome to the MedMan Podcast, a podcast focused on helping you level up your practice. I'm Jesse Arnoldson. And I'm Jay Holmes. Through interviews with some of the most successful leaders in the industry, we help uncover resources, tools, and ideas to help you level up. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's program. Hello again, and welcome to the MedMan Podcast. I'm Jesse Arnoldson, your host for today. I am rejoined by the folks over at Bingham Memorial. I have Jason Orman, the PSO Business Development and Analytics Director, Holly Davis, the Director of Strategy, Quality, and Population Health, and Nathan Scholes, a Practice Administrator of Pocatello Women's Clinic. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks. Thanks. You know, last episode, we talked a lot about finding and solving problems. It's awesome to be able to come up with a solution, but to execute on it is probably where most of us (laughs) get tripped up. When it comes to actually implementing the change that we want to see, and whether it's something small or something big, it seems to always be a real challenge. Um, Holly, I want to kick things off with you. You know, talk to me a little bit about why you think it's so difficult to carry out change, whether on a small or, or, or large level. Why is it so hard to change things? I think as a culture, especially Americans, we're used to identifying a problem. We write out our solution and you know, break team, let's go do it. And we never regroup and mm-hmm. check on each other and see how it's going. We tend to write up great, big, ambitious plans and we don't break it down into steps that are achievable and we don't really measure it very well. Mm-hmm. And we're just off to the next thing and we never really get back around to fixing the first problem we were working on or to really checking with our teams about it. And that accountability piece, like that accountability piece to say, to do what you said you would do for whatever reason is really hard to actually execute on and check back around on. So what I'm getting from you is that as we poorly implement change, we make it harder to ever change anything in the future because we're probably setting people off on the wrong path, right? Like we're, they're, they're never going to trust us again to carry out a change <laughs> that we halfway carried out the last time, right? I think we just get ADHD in change management and mm-hmm. we just jump around. <laughs> I, I can get on board with that. <laughs> so, you know, it's just the shiny new penny and, and staff get really wise to that. I know that Nathan and Jason and you are probably very aware of how wise staff get to that. They'll be like, oh yeah, I'll just on my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll never check. <laughs> they'll never, you know, right. they'll just be on to the next thing and they'll never check. I get that. I get that. I, you know, to your point, Holly, and this is something I've had to get a lot better at and I'm nowhere near where I want to be on it, but I love problem solving. I love thinking up big ideas and engaging teams and getting the right solution, I struggle carrying it across the finish line. <laughs> and that's exactly it. It's, it's poor implementation, poor measurement, poor communication of success, poor learning that sets you up to not be trusted to carry out change the next time. That's yeah. very insightful. Jason, why does everybody say that they love change until they're personally (laughs) faced with having to change themselves? Why is that? Well, because they lie. (laughs) Yes. Tell me more because I I think we a hundred percent agree here. (laughs) Holly kind of hit on it right there when she says, you know, as Americans, I I do think it's definitely part of our, our Western culture lingo where, Oh yeah, we love change, change, executive 
summary, uh, memo, blah, 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 right? You say all the language parts mm-hmm. and execution. Anytime I think of a process of change, this image pops into my mind. And I don't know exactly how it happened, but it is forever burned. If I see a person standing with a foot on one side of the fence and another foot on the other. And part of that is also on the right side, here's the new process that we're all being told to do it. But I, as a human, am very comfortable and safe doing the old. So I'm going to step over here. I'm not going to fully commit because to Holly's point, they'll probably not follow up and I'll be able to. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, it's pretty abrupt to say because they lie or we lie, but the reality of it is, you know, you have to be fully committed to really move through the change. You have to be in for it. I don't think that we consciously lie most of the time. I don't think most people consciously, you know, lie about loving change. I think we we lie to ourselves a little bit more than anybody else. We most change I think requires people to change. Even if you're trying to change systems, if you're trying to change policies, there's a people component and that requires somebody acknowledging and being okay with something they did or are, you know, not being what we want anymore and needing it to be something different. And that's, it all comes back to people being able to change. Nate, how, when you are faced with change, that's going to require you to personally change along with it. How do you check yourself and make sure that you're open to it and not leaving blind spots and, and carrying the change to, to full completion? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I didn't prep you at all for that. So sorry about that. <laughs> um, I think I'm very much a conformist by nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like structure and I like comfort, but we don't ever attain that unless we create it. It doesn't happen naturally. Even like we think about the people who love us most and believe in us. Mm-hmm. That requires tremendous sacrifice. You know, I think about my dad and that, amazing role he's played throughout my whole life. That was never a happenstance. He invested time and thought. And I think from having experienced that from amazing leaders in my life in healthcare, that's what I want to do. And I want to be that for other people. So I think feeling that altruism, that sense of leadership, I just, I think I've built a muscle that allows me to flex and to stop thinking about myself and think, okay, how do I make people feel safe? How do I make people feel like they're doing their best work? And I push everything to make that happen as much as possible. And I do it because I love it and, mm-hmm. and I care about these people. So I'm just basing that love of the people I work with and the things I believe in. I think it's easy to forget then how bad change can hurt. Helps you get over that pride, side, pride aspect, right? I, yeah. I love it. The altruistic motivation of loving people and wanting to be better for them can help you set aside the hurt feelings or pride, hurt pride that you may be experiencing and needing to change, right? Well, and we think of change very much, whether or not we think about it, I feel like it's a very much a feeling thing. Even when you work out and you're building muscle, you're tearing yourself apart, you're feeling, you're not thinking, hey, I, I really think I'm building this much mass today. No, your body's just like, no, this hurts. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really but good analogy. I love it. Nate, keep us going on on the next question. Holly spoke to our past poor performance in, or poor experiences in change management make it hard for teams and individuals to want to do it going forward. How do you help your team 
not just tolerate change, but be fully engaged in carrying it forward? Um, I think recognizing where we're going. I mean, Holly brought up great points with accountability. And I think it's the leadership's responsibility to follow that up with recognizing the wins. And that's even part of Cotter's uh, Eight Steps of Change, I believe, where he talks about celebrating the small wins, the low-hanging fruit. You know, we need to follow up and say, hey, I think you're doing an amazing job. I recognize this comes at tremendous sacrifice, but you're absolutely nailing it. And I love what you're doing. Thank you so much. And that's exactly the thing that we need as we're bouncing back from the last 12 months is just being that positive reinforcement for each other. And leading people to believe that they can because they're so lost in the weeds sometimes just like we can as well where we think oh i've got to complete this and they're being honest with themselves so they're measuring themselves like i'm not 100 percent, but i i'm at 60 and i hope that's okay and so we've got to come back and say hey i think you're straight aces and then like well i feel like 100 i honestly thought i was doing 60 but apparently it's working so then they think oh i can do more now real quick nate Cotter's eight, what was that? Isn't it eight steps of organizational change? I just wanted to make sure it was in here so that I could come back and do some Google investigating because I'd love to, to read the rest. I-O-L and Cotter's, but it's Cotter's. Cotter's, okay, perfect. Yeah. Jason, as you're looking, you, you've been a part of different organizations. What are some signs that an organization is not culturally set up to carry out effective change? And then Holly, same question to you, but the inverse. What are some signs of an organization being culturally equipped to handle change? Okay, Jason, let's start with you. What are the, what are the, let's start with the negative Nancy side. That's not meant to, <laughs> no, <laughs> wasn't meant to target you, I promise. <laughs> no worries. Um, by the way, it is Cotter's Eight Steps. I just awesome. Googled it. Perfect. Um, so a great identification that, that uh, we're not set up or as a culture is not set up. Let me give an example. I, I've got, you know, my mind always works in kind of these examples. A few months ago, I actually had a meeting with our director who has a tough job. He really does. And um, we were actually talking about implementing surprisingly some change. And uh, during the conversation, he actually said, you know, hey, we've done this over the last X amount of years. And every time we've ever done something like that, we have the same outcome. We always fail, right? And I was, uh, you know, you like to say, well, we pull the emotion out of business. That's false. I'm a, I'm a human being and I've got emotion. And I was just disappointed. And then I was frustrated because before we could even address back to the why, why do we have to change? I was already in my first key battle, which is I surrender, you know, Go ahead, Jason, draw up a plan, but I already predict the outcome. Uh, we're all going to fail. Now, to my IT director's credit, and again, good guy, he was right that, that many of the attempts in this particular area had failed. And I think it was back to what Holly was talking about is that the accountability part was never followed through. So we actually did move forward with this program, but it took more effort. We had to, I had to back way up both emotionally and strategically and go through all the things that we failed at first. Again, make the list. What did we do that didn't work? And why did we do that? And would we do that again? Would we try? And we came up with a really solid concept, a general plan, by the way. It wasn't A through Z, mm -hmm. but it was enough letters a through D to get us started. 
and we got started down the road. So, you know, your question is what, what's a sign of a, a cultural that's not very open to change effectively? If, if everyone says, well, we can try, but we're going to fail. That's bad news. Um, Hard to come good, back from. Yeah. In this instance, we had good, good people at the table to, uh, to actually really define the problem, go over the why, and then actually, hey, I actually think we can do something different here. Very nice. Holly, give me the positive side to that. Some signs that your culture is ready to, to implement change or is able to implement change. I think culturally, if you're equipped to handle change, you have a good pulse of what your culture really is. Not not like the Sunday version of your culture, but the actual you know, nitty gritty version of your culture. Are you open to feedback? Are your communication channels clear? Are you celebrating the good? Do your leaders and your employees actually know what your organizational values, mission and vision and strategic goals are so that you're all like moving in alignment? And the other thing is, is if you're really equipped to culturally change micromanagement has to go out the window and you have to, you have to be able to empower your people to get, do good things. And when you do that and they understand their power as your frontline employee that cleans the floors, when they understand their power over their job to do their job and improve their job, then your business can be transformed. I love it. You know, for our, our listeners, just to kind of give a summary change is is difficult because one it requires people to change and that's always going to be an incredible obstacle to overcome is to get somebody uh, an actual person to recognize and and move on issues they've got to change themselves but it also stems greatly from poor change management performance in the past it is just as important that we handle the how of the change how we actually carry it out as it is the change itself. How we do that will dictate whether our culture's flywheel continues to spin. If we carry something out and we execute it well and we measure well and we show success and we help people see the good that it, that's come from it, that flywheel will move. And the next one and the next one and the next one until we have the momentum and are fully equipped to handle small, big change, whatever it may be. It's when we do what I explained I do every once in a while of, you know, get a big idea, get really excited, get everybody else excited, and then flop in the execution that we not only hurt ourselves in the short term for that unique one change, but we hurt our ability to, to, to actually change in the future, in the long term. So guys, I really appreciate all of the insight that you guys shared with us today. I hope our listeners took value from it. I know I did. I appreciate you guys and appreciate Bingham for letting you come on. Absolutely. Thanks again, Jesse. Thanks. It was awesome. Great talking to you all. Oh, likewise. Before you, listeners, before you go anywhere, make sure you hit subscribe or leave a review if you enjoyed the show. And we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for tuning into the MedMan Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's featured guest. For the show notes, transcripts, resources, and everything else MedMan does to help you level up, be sure to visit us at medman.com.